Welcome to Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast, a podcast intended not just for parents or caregivers, but individuals seeking guidance around challenging behaviors or recurring and negative patterns in your life. Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast aims to have you asking, who am I parenting here, my child or myself? This podcast has a vision of you, the adult, stumbling upon a new relationship with the child you once were. Parenting is no easy task, but it doesn't have to be a burden. We are happy you are here. And welcome to episode 23 of Hashtag Parenting Who podcast. Uh, today I'm recording with a bit of a head cold, and so my voice might sound a little bit different. I'm pleased to welcome um, Alexia Munez Catan. Uh, she and I spoke some time ago, actually, and I'm pleased to bring forward this episode. Uh, I just find that the community of therapists of helping professionals are just so have such big hearts and are so caring. And um, so I look forward to you all hearing the episode today about how Alexia was able to meet a need in the community. Um, so just to give a little intro to her, she hails from uh, Illinois. Alexia Munez Catan is a licensed clinical professional counselor with over 10 years experience. She is a graduate of Roosevelt University, Illinois and recently a board-certified telemental health provider. She's also the owner of Daily Living Counseling, and she's still working on her website right now. So hopefully we'll um, get that link from her in early 2019, and we can add it to the show notes for you. Uh, Alexia knows the importance of offering convenient therapy for her clients who may lead a hectic lifestyle. She previously worked as a home therapist before she entered private practice, and she would physically go into the client's home and work with the family or family member on several lifelong challenges. And this is something that we get into in today's episode. She was able to see the challenges as they would arise in the home or in the person's life on an ongoing daily basis. And in my training as um, a child and youth care practitioner, we would often refer to that as working in the life space. And so that's, uh, we talk a little bit about that today too. Daily living counseling is the essence of what she treats daily life issues. Her goal in her practice is to make mental health care a standard in general health care. That counseling is not simply for people with problems, but for the problem solvers and to assist in containing the struggles people face. Daily living aims to help you reduce your anxiety, stress-related symptoms, develop stronger communication, enhance coping skills and self-awareness, and promote overall personal growth. This is all done in real-time, face-to-face, online, HIPAA-compliant. She uses a a platform which allows the ability to gain quicker access to her and therefore your issues and concerns in a more informal way. Alexia believes that online therapy allows for more transformation and motivation during the therapy process because it begins in your home in a direct and non-invasive way. Her area of specialties include anxiety, ADD, ADHD, 
so that's attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, relationship issues, depression, parental conflict, postpartum depression. And you can get in touch with Alexia at Alexia at daily-living-co.com. And these will, uh, this will be on the show notes and her uh, cell phone information is there as well. So uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode. And uh, just a reminder, my voice will sound different from this intro uh, uh, compared to the episode because I taped the intro at a different time. So I hope that you're all well and enjoy. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Um, If you could go to parentingwhopodcast.com and at the bottom, you'll see a link that will bring you over to iTunes and within iTunes, the iTunes app, there is a ratings and reviews section. So feel free to click a rating. There is between one and five stars for the podcast and um, write a review and so we don't have any showing right now there's a certain number that they need and so we're asking people we want to know your feedback um, good bad or otherwise we want to know if uh, you're finding that these podcasts are helpful and if you have any ideas about future topics that you'd like to hear about so uh, let your thoughts be known okay back to the episode Good morning, Alexa. Thanks for joining me on Hashtag Parenting Who Podcast. Good morning. Thank you, Julie. It's good to be here. I'm really excited to connect with you today from uh, Schamburg, Illinois. That's where you're coming from. And yeah, and I wondered if you could share a little bit with me. So your licensing um, is what exactly for your therapy? So my license is a LCPC, which is Licensed Clinical Professional Counselor. And I have uh, been practicing with my license officially since uh, 2011. Okay, cool. And you, I'm curious, and I ask a lot of the people I do these interviews with, uh, how it was that they discovered they wanted to be a therapist and what was usually there's a bit of a background uh, story and discovery of self somehow and I'm I'm curious what your story is. No I I, this is a question that obviously comes up a lot Um, and it's it's always sort of morphed also you know my my interest and passion in psychology itself has always kind of morphed as I've aged in this in this field but Originally, it was pretty much when I was about uh, 12 years old. Um, Mm. I just always found back then, um, first off, you know, my own personal experience was I did have some bullying. I experienced being bullied as well as I also experienced, on the other hand, of being the bully. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think at at that time, sort of understanding what had happened to me and then and how I then processed it, I, I was able to kind of be intrigued already by the motivation behind people, um, you know, kind of what, what made them do what they wanted to do. And I, I got interest in, in personality and psychology early on because of those things. 
Yeah, and that seems like I just love hearing people's response to that question because it's so interesting how at an early age, myself included, we get this sense of um, even just like you said, being intrigued by the motivation behind the actions or the behavior and um, the curiosity that comes with that and then sort of leading us down this path of learning more and wanting to help and um yeah, in our own unique ways. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then, and obviously being being able to, you know, mm-hmm. finding other individuals that that kind of have that same passion as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've often said on this podcast that, you know, it's I'm from Ontario, Canada, and you're from Illinois, yeah. right? You're yeah, and you're so far away, and yet there's just still so much that we can share and talk about, and that we can relate to as therapists. It doesn't matter where we are. There's that common foundation of wanting to help others, and also having that knowledge about um, human behavior. And we, you know, it's just really great conversations that we can have. And part of why I'm really loving doing this podcast, <laughs> connecting yeah. with people, and yeah, having those yeah. really great discussions. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is to kind of know, again, like you said, you're, you're not alone, despite whatever these locations are, and, you know, sharing these, these similar stories and how we're able to kind of turn whatever challenges, you know, and, and share them as well as turn them in, into you, you know, into a good strategy. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so um, I understand that you are in the midst of transitioning to a new space. And I'm just curious about, I mean, that's a major hurdle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has, so I went, it has been. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to me about that. So the, this transition actually has, has all sort of happened in a year, even though um, the, probably the thought process started many, many years ago. So um, initially, uh, as my former practice, I worked in a non-for-profit um, with an agency, um, and there I worked with family members that had someone with intellectual disability or form of autism, mm-hmm. and we would actually go into the family's home, and okay. we served about 12, 10 to 12 different counties in the Chicagoland area. And we would um, provide home therapy. We would provide staff to the family. Um, Despite, again, location where they were, we would try and find uh, staff in their area and try and find them support in that area. Mm -hmm. And it was really sort of there that I saw this great need, you know, that it was so hard, some of these areas to find families to find proper staff, to find proper therapy, and, um, you know, so it, that, that was something that, that really, really sort of gave me that insight. And, um, yeah, and I, I was a family um, therapist. I created a position there, actually, as mm-hmm. a sibling support therapist so that I could provide support as well to the families because there was a lot of support for um, their family member. They had, you know, speech therapy, maybe OT, and they were provided in-home care. Um, but the families at times also had a lot that they were trying to manage as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was really important for me to feel that we were providing them another way of getting that support. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really sort of then that I, I saw that there was this need for this position. And my uh, employer at the time was gracious enough to 
um, allow that that position uh, to see that it did have value. And so I worked there for um, for about three years, and mm -hmm. then that's when I transitioned into the private practice arena. Um, and it's actually different, you know, again, even though I was familiar with all the counties in the area, mm -hmm. it still was a county that uh, was outside of my area. And mm -hmm. um, to me, it was just another challenge that I wanted to take on sort of seeing, you know, what, what this community was like and to be able to help out this, mm -hmm. this other area of community. And um, so I worked there for about three years and worked with the same thing, you know, my my sort of experiences working with children as young as five years, mm -hmm. um, as well as up into uh, 60, uh, 60 years of age is my client's range. So mm -hmm. it takes the whole area. Um, and I was able to really sort of see again, the, the need of flexibility, because even if we were there on site, it was also incredibly hard, you know, for families that either didn't have child care to be able to come in for their appointments, mm -hmm. um, especially weather. Um, we had some people that yeah. still were maybe traveling about an hour, uh, maybe, you know, to come see us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, due to weather circumstances, sometimes I had to cancel these meetings. And so um, seeing all these things really motivated me that my next sort of hurdle that I wanted to create for myself was to merge my practice onto online therapy. Um, so I got a little bit of exposure and I really got hooked into how accessible and how accommodating, um, sort of like an on-demand therapist, really. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I then created my uh, daily living practice, um, which is now this, this new sort of birth that I'm creating at mm -hmm. this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so uh, interesting how that journey has led you to something that is, I guess, up and coming in our field. And still, I mean, there's a whole group of us, as you know, that's how we connected in uh, different groups online that are offering online therapy. And it really is about the need for flexibility and the lack of um, or just trying to remove barriers for people to be able to access services. And that's one of the really great things about online therapy. And I just want to back up a little bit because as you were talking about going into the homes and noticing that there were difficulties in finding therapists for the different counties and stuff like that, um, it to me, I was picturing like rural. Is there a lot of rural um, sort of out of the city limits homes that you would be visiting and is that what you were talking about in terms of difficulty for certain things you know honestly it was even um mainly i worked which i know i could rattle off counties <laughs> and they're, they're not gonna make any any relevance but they they were in in very city heavily populated areas with other therapists but it was either, um, again, the scheduling, you know, they had other siblings maybe to carry, uh, care for, mm. uh, take them to sports, to, to events. And, um, and maybe, again, it was also the comfortability. Um, sometimes in a private practice, um, some of the clients that we worked with felt that they didn't feel as accommodated. Um, or they didn't have, or they would call and they would find out that they didn't have a therapist on hand that did work with them. Mm -hmm. um, or there was also big agencies, um, but then maybe the client was hesitant to go to this big agency mm -hmm. and keeping it to their home where they felt 
safe. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just, it, you know, we understand therapy can be intimidating, therapy mm-hmm. can be uncomfortable. And I feel that, it, you know, and they felt that in the home, obviously broke down so many of those barriers, you know, so that's the same thing with online therapy. It kind of breaks down that barrier by making it accessible and accommodating within the comfort of their own home. And it's so like, there's one person that I have in mind as you're talking, uh, when I first started doing some online work and the person, it was so difficult for them to actually get in their vehicle and make that drive to my office. Mm -hmm. It was so challenging for the individual and they were able to do it sometimes, but it was increasingly more and more difficult. And, um, so I had suggested and offered, it was an older teen. So I, I also work with that as kids as young as five years old. And so um, I'll I'll be curious to chat with you about sort of your rules around seeing kids through the online practice. But uh, I had met this, I think he was 16 at the time. And I felt I had enough sessions that it would be okay to offer the online therapy and was open to it. And the first two sessions that we had online were the very best sessions that we had. And it was so interesting because, and I would ask specifically, like, what is it that you're noticing that's different? And, you know, just sitting in the comfort of a familiar chair in a familiar room and a safe place, it really brought our therapy experience, his therapy experience to a whole other level that it really sold me on the value of online therapy because Prior to that, I was really unsure and was sort of basing it on the fact that it's still a new thing, that there are still some in our field that don't necessarily agree with this medium as therapy. Um, but I tell you, that experience for me sold sold online therapy for me because I saw it and, and we experienced it. And uh, yeah, it was wow, really, really so great. That, mm-hmm. and, and, that, and that gives that confidence. And, and I... Um, I for, for my journey, it was something that I know I just kind of dived in. So, I mean, having that opportunity where you can kind of see, you know, the, you know, the creation in that moment for it, where I know for mine, it was, nope, I want to do this. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving my current place of employment. And, um, you know, I'm going to kind of just figure this out. And um, fortunately, kind of had enough uh, clients that are, are graciously looking me up um, and, and support me. So I, I think also to, to a good benefit of that, that that's, that's been helpful to have that confidence in knowing, yes, you know, that everyone I'm sharing this idea with believes that this mm-hmm. is important, even mm-hmm. if it is, it is different, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it may feel a little bit different, but, um, but it's, it's supposed to be. Um, but I, I do definitely think that, you know, to kind of circle back to the, the question, um, you know, it, it is a challenge, I think, that no matter city or rural, um, and we did travel to definitely rural areas, um, but definitely there was areas of challenge even within the city population just because of people's fear and uncomfortability. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, that's really the message that I not really the message. I don't know if that's the right term, but you know, just how this podcast and the idea for this podcast came about was recognizing just how uncomfortable so many people still are and uncertain and unsure. And that's okay. You know, like I respect that, but if a little thing like a podcast that you can listen to safely in your car 
can help to diminish even just a little bit that fear that, you know, maybe you take one step closer to possibly going and seeking the help of a professional. That really is my motivation for this podcast. It's, it's really that simple. And, um, it's, you know, you can appreciate as another mental health professional that that really is, um, of major value to people because, I'm sure you'll agree. Like one of the things that I say to people when they first call me or contact me is, you know, this is a really big step and I want to acknowledge that it was, and I want to acknowledge, I know it took a lot of strength for you to make this phone call. And I realize and acknowledge that there might be some fear around it, but, um, you know, and some people kind of just wave it off and that's okay. And other people, thank you for acknowledging that. And, you know, because there's so much, you know, self-doubt and, um, the idea that they're somehow weak, that they have to reach out to someone and, uh, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Just to kind of always just know that no matter, no matter what it is, um, you know, that it's, we're there to just soften that transition as much as possible, you know, and not really insult the, the uncomfortability, but more just to ease it. I like that. Soften the transition. Yeah, that's really, yeah, because there is a gentleness to it as well. And so, you know, people coming for the first time might have this harsh image or idea about what seeing someone is and what it all means, but there is a gentle nature to the work that we do and we meet people where they're at. We don't, and I, I stress that in all my marketing and advertising because wherever you're at, however, or whoever you are when you're walking through the door, whether it's the first visit or the 25th visit, I meet you where you're at, where you're at on this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to come back to what I mentioned a bit ago. You also work with children and youth. And Mm -hmm. with respect to the online therapy, I'm really curious. um, For me, I had, because of the training that I have, it very much uh, was about working in the life space of a child. So even private practice was a bit of a stretch in the sense that that's not the life space of the child, which... Mm Um, just to clarify, life space of the child would be like in their home surroundings, environments that they know. And uh, so I wasn't necessarily comfortable with, um, and that first 16-year-old that I just mentioned, um, I had worked with that person in my office and felt like it was a good suggestion for the online practice. And I don't know if I would go much below a 16-year-old, and I don't know necessarily if... I would offer the service to someone um, who's younger than that. And so I just want to know what your thoughts were about that or how you practice working with kids. Absolutely. No, and it really, I, I have to say, um, again, it, it is, it feels different from when you are face-to-face, um, but it is a different mode. But I would say probably the, the most different is with uh, children. Um, I would comfortably say 13 is the age that I would work with on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by individual basis is that if they were younger, it would be more required that the parent would be Mm -hmm. present for each of the sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, this I do find interesting because a lot of times now, uh, again, and it will be interesting to hear your perspective, too, and in, in the field that you work in, that obviously working in the home, you know, there, there was this different level of expectation. Um, yeah, I was there for, for the child, but I was in the home. So I was also very accessible to the parent, mm-hmm. um, where in the private practice, um, 
a good percentage of the time it was and could be viewed as a drop off. So where the parent would maybe come in and then and then say, okay, well, I have to go run an errand. Um, I'll be back maybe in 30 minutes. Is that okay? You know, and so there, there would be um, maybe not always this engagement and maybe the engagement had to be reminded. Mm-hmm. So I do see a little bit more now with this protocol that especially with the younger age, it does require that then there is more engagement, which ultimately is beneficial for the therapy, especially a lot of times if maybe we're working on um, behavioral issue, issues, um, mm-hmm. oppositional defiant issues, you know, that mm-hmm. it, it then allows uh, for the parent to be more involved, more hands-on, um, you know, because then they come in, you know, there's games and mm-hmm. in, in the therapist's office as mm-hmm. well. And now mm-hmm. online, they may not have access to all of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may also have the extra accountability too that, Maybe they are getting these games to have the consistency more often than happening at home, which Mm -hmm. is another really good um, sort of benefit that I have seen happen as well. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's one situation I'm thinking of where, um, and we haven't actually started yet, but this is our plan, and um, seeing uh, the youth in my office and I know certain things that the youth likes. And so because of circumstances, we're going to be doing the online piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely that was one of the questions the parent had was, how is this going to work? And I said, it has, you have to be there as well. So I view it more as, I call it more like parent consultation, like, you know, who knows what we're going to call it, but it's, yeah. you know, all encompassing all around, like you were saying, uh, you know, having more access to the parent is definitely a benefit for more reasons than one. Um, So for example, uh, enjoying throwing a ball and kicking a ball and just being busy with a ball in my physical office was very important to this this little one. And so we've set up a plan that whenever we're connecting online, there needs to be some balls uh, in and around the area in which we're talking. So it might be that the, the, the youth is kind of in the background, but listening and sort of, you know, having those moments that, um, that the youth needs to have in order to get that fidgety energy out. Uh, so we're going to see how that goes, but is that what, I'm not sure what you, when you said like games in the office and they don't necessarily have that online, but do you do that kind of thing where, when you're working with, with kids over online? Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, when I, when I mean by having that is if they could mirror some of the games. So, Oh, I see. When, okay. Yeah. So maybe it's actually going out and, and actually purchasing some of the same actual games mm-hmm. or um, again, making it sort of convenient where it would be um, like, there's one game. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of it called Totika. No, Totika? Yeah, it's actually a building block game. Um, oh, okay. So it's kind of like Jenga, but uh, colored blocks. And okay. I, I like this game because it does come with a set of standard uh, games or cards that have for different ages questions that I'll ask. Um, but I like it also because even though it comes with those sort of cookie cutter questions because they are different multicolored blocks and that's really it you can over time create your own questions Mm -hmm. that go with the blocks 
So again, as I said, you know, morphine, I'm, I'm kind of all about that and, and sort of multifunction so that mm-hmm. it, the, the game can morph with the children as well. So that mm-hmm. then maybe they just need to have the game and then I can kind of keep changing the questions over time mm-hmm. um, so that it changes some of that. Um, yes, definitely having, you know, if they're the younger, um, having something to fidget with, such mm-hmm. as um, a squeeze ball, maybe mm-hmm. some moon sand, um, kinetic mm-hmm. sand, you know, yep. all the different names for that stuff. Um, <laughs> something to, to fidget with. Um, maybe some little snacks as well, because mm. we do know um, mm, yeah. that that can keep the attention. I and mean, we do know it helps with focus when they're doing homework and to mm-hmm. stuff too. So it's, it's awful, uh, a useful, useful tool uh, during that time as well. So whatever we can try and have that that's sort of all accessible um, so that there is no need to say, wait, hold on, I want to go get something, mm-hmm. um, or let me, <laughs> you know, that it's all within, within their reach as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we want to make the most of our time and, um, the space that we've created. If it's, you know, for, for younger, younger ones, my sessions, I mean, I go by their time, but, um, you know, 30, 45 minutes, you can tell, well, as trained therapists and as parents, we can tell when they're you know, losing interest and uh, when we need to begin to wrap up. But I just get this like tremendous excitement when I hear you talking because um, the online medium has been something for me. It just, I love for the same idea that I had with the podcast. I love the accessibility that the online medium offers families because of the challenges about, like you said earlier, childcare and flexibility for, you know, making other appointments and fitting the therapy session in, uh, weather, the traveling, that kind of stuff. And, um, I don't know. I just, I really like the idea that it's more accessible for people. I just get really excited about that. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it is, especially because, you know, some of the clients too that I, I work with um, have medical conditions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I actually, my family, I come from a long line, unfortunately, of family members who have medical, uh, long life medical conditions and, and knowing them too, the challenges that, that they face and, and knowing that, if they they may really need someone to talk to, but they don't feel good enough to to drive that day, um, or they are really sick and they they can't drive, but they they still need that support. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, absolutely, just just allowing um, people to have that on demand service. I know sometimes I have clients that will even email me and say, oh, something just happened. Is you know, is there any way you can see me? Mm-hmm. And hey, you know, if, if I'm I don't have anything even scheduled, mm-hmm. even though maybe that's not my official um, mm-hmm. work hours, I may accommodate that just because I do have that uh, that flexibility now. Mm-hmm. And oh, for sure, that stuff does come up for people. And I myself, you know, I try and accommodate that as much as possible as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I wonder if we could switch gears a little bit. And I'm curious, I know that you do some solution focused therapy, some cognitive behavioral therapy and motivational interviewing. And I don't know if you have um, one that is more foundational for you or you tend to practice more of or, you know, in your agency work, maybe it was really specific to solution focused. And so I'm curious if you could chat a little bit about the different modalities that you use in your practice. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, 
only um, motivational interviewing is something that's a little bit uh, more recent for me, a little bit uh, more fresher to, to my program. Um, solution focus definitely is something that has held strong in a lot of the, the agency background because especially there, there was a lot of mm -hmm. results. You know, we did have more government funding. So there's mm -hmm. definitely a lot of things in, that we were monitoring for and, mm -hmm. and looking for, for sort of results. And, and I mean, in, in everything, I mean, of course, even in therapy, we, we overall, we want to have some results. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that solution focused is something for me. Um, I, I really, you know, we all, we have problems. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we know that and we're going to have problems. But I'm always interested in how do we find solutions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so really for me, that, that was sort of that natural work to be looking at the, the basis of what's going to be also comfortable for the client as well when we are also processing um, the, the modalities for them to figure out what is going to be comfortable for them to also transition to mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times too, just because they're there and they're maybe ready and willing to talk about uh, their problems um, doesn't mean that they're also ready to change them necessarily mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. And, and we know that, I mean, just because yeah. we know we have a problem doesn't mean that we're like, Oh, okay, well, you know, I know I drink too much coffee. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stop. It, no, I mean, it, it isn't always something that just because we say that we're going to, that it actually means that, that mm -hmm. it's going to happen. So I also think sort of formulating to what my treatment modalities are going to be for them also depend on what they're, they're ready to, to work with at that moment. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it, it does involve, um, you know, me kind of asking them in, in the first few sessions or the first session, uh, if they have ever had any experience in the therapy process. Yes, um, I asked that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if they have, you know, great. Then I say, what was it like? Hopefully it was good. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, if, if it wasn't, that's also important for me to mm -hmm. know, you know, what, mm -hmm. what did you like? What didn't mm -hmm. you like? Um, so that hopefully I don't repeat any of what you mm -hmm. didn't like, um, but also maybe kind of see what was there value in that, you know, because mm -hmm. even if we didn't like an experience, there mm -hmm. still is value in what we didn't like. Yeah. Um, so being able to really kind of learn from them what, what that is and, and then seeing, you know, what, uh, what they're comfortable with um, approaching. Um, like I said, in, in, in understanding what is also going on at that moment. I like what you just said, and I want to come back to it because um, I really think this is important, and I'd like to share it for those who are listening. Um, the still value in what we didn't like, and that is a question that I ask as well. Have you seen a therapist in the past? And um, so if they haven't, then I just do more explanation. Um, we're always reviewing the limits of confidentiality, no matter who we meet with for the first time. That's our number one key thing. Um, but it's, and I want to put it out there for people who are listening, we're not asking about your former therapy experience so that we can do a comparative analysis of how we're somehow better or that person, you know, we're not going to start to make comments about inappropriate things that another therapist did. We are really centering our focus on exactly what you said, which is understanding what the value is mm -hmm. in that person knowing what they didn't like because like you talked about earlier 
finding solutions is about also knowing what's working. And if you know something isn't working, there is so much value in that knowing. And when there is issues that cloud all of that judgment, we lose sight of what actually is working. And so if you've met a therapist and they like pick the lint off their pants and that really annoys you (laughs) to the point that either you don't say anything and then you just never show up at sessions again. We, we need to know, okay, well that's discomforting for you that that's maybe triggering for some reason for you understand that and let's support what comes up for you around that. And so, right. Like it's just, it can be, I mean, we could have many therapy sessions around just that and understanding what it was that didn't work without specific details, but just what came up for you that didn't work in that session, because that is solution. That's about looking for solutions and moving forward, isn't it? Absolutely. And because we do know that there may be a theme, you know, if it it appeared there, there may also be other areas in which something similar to that theme is also reappearing elsewhere. Yeah. And a theme that is reappearing constantly and actually is an area that maybe we discover it's an area that you feel stuck and didn't really understand why you felt stuck. And uh, I also want to put it out there just as we're talking about it, that if you are listening to this podcast and you have seen someone in the past and you felt so uncomfortable about something that you abruptly needed to cancel that session and never return, that usually is a good indication that you need to return to that session. Um, Foregoing any, you know, abusive overt tendencies or, you know, racist or prejudicial, which I'm, you know, as therapists, obviously we're trained to really be very self-aware and uh, non-biased and non-judgmental. But if something comes up for, for you, we really need to work through and understanding that. And um, yeah, because it, it is, it's, it's something that may still be a lesson from, and it's not so much yeah. about, um, making sure that there is a, you know, necessarily closure, but it's more of a, of a process of understanding um, yeah. that emotion, yeah. you know, that still came out of that. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to say there was um, some people, they, and again, in the spirit of meeting them where they're at, I respect this, but if you're feeling like you need to cancel a session and then you never go back because there was something that was upsetting to you, usually if you have that sense to cancel that session and that desire not to go back, usually that's a good indication that you you should go back and even have be able to air out what it is that's uh, upsetting for you, but also have an appropriate termination session so that we can model healthy goodbyes and what that's like because goodbyes are really hard for people. And by just just canceling the session and never going back, that kind of allows you to stay in those reoccurring patterns in a way. No, ab- absolutely. That, that, yeah. And we don't want to have where there again, where that reappearing issue keeps coming up with the closure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. So, Alexa, we're getting close to the end of our time today. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about, um, where you're headed in terms of your practice and and how people can get a hold of you and learn more about you. 
Yes. So how they can get a hold of me is at Alexia at Daily Living Counseling. Um, Actually, it's at daily-living-co.com. And I am virtually all online. Um, I did uh, have it where I was sort of merging, having a face-to-face as well as online. But it is all virtually online. And Mm -hmm. um, so that's how people can reach me. That's awesome. That's really great. Well, it was lovely chatting with you too. I kept calling you Alexia or Alexa, and you pronounced your name a bit differently there. Oh, you know, I was hearing you, but again, I know sometimes with the accent, so I, because <laughs> I hear about come out quietly, but not all the time. So sometimes I thought maybe that was just the, the way of pronunciation, but yeah, no, it, it is Alexia. Alexia. Okay. No, I don't think I was pronouncing it right. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah, so it's really been fun chatting with you. And uh, best of luck with the new transition with uh, Daily Living and uh, your new practice. And thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. And this, again, was a great medium. And I look forward to be able to continue to be able to share people, you know, with with people this this way. So thank you for being able to have this opportunity. Yeah. No, it's definitely exciting times. I'm, like I said, I'm really loving the podcast and connecting with people and um, exciting times because I do believe that people really... Uh, they really want access to this kind of information and also to know those of us who are doing online work so that they can they can have another resource to reach out to Absolutely. all right all the best to you take care all right thank you okay bye bye Thank you for joining me today. Please remember that information provided in this podcast is not therapy and is not a substitute for receiving help from a licensed or regulated healthcare professional. For more information on this episode and links discussed here today, please see the show notes. Please also visit my website, which includes more resources and social media links, as well as ways of getting in touch with me at julieclarktherapy.com. 